It is time for Verbal Tap. We wanted to do just a, a quick update on on continuing to stand for for what's going on in the country right now, which is Black Lives Matter and police reform in addition to this this crazy pandemic. But right now we're we're sort of focused on what we can add a voice to. I said it last week, but I'll throw people at eight can't wait dot org. We're seeing meaningful change and we're already seeing it in Minneapolis, which is a credit to just the the millions of people around the world protesting. Raph. Yeah, so if I could just get you guys to do us a solid, I'm sure you heard about the terrible things that happened at 10th Planet Long Beach. I had an interview with our pal, uh, Chai Surisuit, and he is the owner of that gym. It was vandalized. It took heavy property damage. It will not have its insurance cover it. And one of the things that he said in the interview was, hey, if you've got a gym, look into what kind of insurance you've got because I don't want my mistake to be your mistake. And one thing that has been phenomenal about our community is people have stepped up and they have donated to a GoFundMe. It is put together by our friend from Matt Therapy, Donna Gonzalez. So it has already raised over $70,000, but I highly encourage you guys to go to that GoFundMe, give what you can, because they are a vital part of our community and we wanna make sure that we are doing our part to continue to put the attention on gyms and so that people have a place to train whenever all of this nonsense starts to cool down. And it will, God willing it will, Jesus Christ, can it be any faster though? But we send uh, all of our attention over this week to our good friends over at 10th Planet Long Beach. 10P4L. Because he was grappling, Raph. We were just watching fights, and you and Mm -hmm. I did it alone, which means it is time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting easier from outside the cage or on the live stream. We were on the grappling hour. Uh, How are you, Raph Esparza? I'm great. You know, I'm rested. I took a day off-ish and feel good. Today's guest probably definitely needed a day off Mm. after his (laughs) bullshit of a weekend. Mr. Taggett, welcome back, sir. Hello. Nice to have you back. Appreciate it, guys. Um, yeah, it's a busy weekend, but uh, yeah, glad to be back. What were you doing? Raph said you were fighting. I was like, him? Yeah. Yeah, we actually went down to Dallas on Thursday, and uh, the boys competed in the Who's Number One event, uh, Fight Twin and Flow Grappling put on, and then we drove from there to Houston, Texas, and I competed there on the Third Coast Grappling Geek Tournament. And who's number one? Was it Nelly? Who's number one? <laughs> yeah, so Cody and Andrew both won their who's number one matches, so I guess they're number one. <laughs> and Kev, here's an oh, interesting fact. number one. What a generational difference, Raph. <laughs> We're just giving away participation number one. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> both Cody and his brother won, which is interesting because Cody won against Alec Balding in what was reported to be a very, very good match. And oh, then... You've also got one Andrew Tackett who won back-to-back matches, Kev. Oh, how do you do that? I guess he's, they were like somebody else won a number one. 
It was like, wait, I'm number one. He's like, fuck that. And they just fought it out, or was it scheduled? <laughs> so I think that someone dropped out of a match, and they were left without an opponent. So my brother filled in with back-to-back matches. So he just like fought and then stayed on the stage, and the next person walked out, and then he fought him. Did, whoa, he, beat, whoa, whoa. did he beat both? Did he beat both? Yeah. Yeah, he won both. How do you decisions. how do you take him off the stage at that point? It's like, well, let him fight one more. Who else wants to go? <laughs> Keep going till the death, right? <laughs> till a loss, at least I think it's fair. Now, Why William, hold on. I was like, hold on, hold on. Go ahead, ref. Sorry. This is important to note because I'm a little peeved at this. He didn't get a second walkout. No, he did not get a second walkout. He stayed out on the stage, and they just welcomed the next opponent. No, that's a terrible idea. You should get another it, walkout. You think you that's a little scary? It's a little scarier to me to just stay up there. I don't know. They <laughs> they made it pretty cool. They were like, and his next opponent. And then they like made that person walk out. So it's pretty neat. <laughs> I mean, that's very nice. And I know that, again, the good folks over at Third Coast Grappling aren't opposed to trying to put a bounty on your brother's head specifically. But so this was actually who's number one, which this was run by Seth. No, Seth I, I know one. which ones I'm talking about here. I'm just oh, okay. I'm, I'm talking about the poor choice to not give the young man a second walkout because it feels like a missed opportunity for him. Also, if we're just being honest here, who's number one is the weirdest name for any grappling event that I can think of. It, mm-hmm. Kevin, it usually reminds me a little bit of the Austin Powers. Who does number two walk for? <laughs> that's every time I hear who's number one, that's what I think of. So anyway, uh, but yes, and we had. We it turns out thing. number two works for number one and his mm. assistant also <laughs> number one at this tournament. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that brings us to Third Coast Grappling Day, uh, which was your time to shine. And it was an intense tournament. Again, by all accounts, we were watching fights. We were keeping updated on it. Uh, tell us about your match, man. Uh, yeah, it was pretty uh, packed, action-packed from start to finish. Um, I faced Pedro Moreno from Gracie Baja West Chase, I believe. And um, he just outpointed me in the match. was able to get the better grips and kind of just stay ahead the whole time and ended up winning via tech fall. So it was a good match. Really exciting and had a lot of fun being out there and battling it out thank you so it was a cool match did you get the chance to watch other uh, matches there because you know that's one of the first events that we're really starting to like bring people in right like that was an actual there was some audience there correct yeah there was a small audience i think there was maybe a little bit less than 100 people there so it was a decent turnout but the matches were great you know um Roberto Jimenez had a lot of shocking, a shocking performance there. Like always, you know, he went out there and subbed Hibamar and then he subbed uh, Pedro as well. And then he actually did really well against Batista in the finals. And yeah, I mean, really good, good matches, real good matches. So Kev, this is where I should inform you. Gee, by the way, I was a little surprised to hear that. Mm -hmm. There's some, a little (laughs) bit of malarkey here that I heard. I heard through rumors because I saw Cody, put up the fact that Jake Watson got beat in a some kind of eating. Is it a pancake eating contest? And also, why is there a contest for eating at the end of the night? Okay, so that's – the second question is beyond me. I have no idea why the boys decided <laughs> to do that. Um, they're just crazy in their own ways. But um, 
Yeah, Andrew actually beat Jake Watson in a pancake eating contest. It wasn't just pancakes because they had like eggs and biscuits and sausage and stuff like that too. But it was definitely majority of pancakes and Jake ended up tapping out. Actually, they both tapped out, but Andrew ended up eating more than he did. So Now, here's the interesting part because I've heard rumors there may be a referee's decision on this one because – I heard there might have been something that tainted that result. Do you care to speak about it, or would you like me to bring up what I potentially know? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, uh, Andrew was taking every single little edge he could get over Jake. I kept stealing all the syrup for the pancakes, so Jake was forced to eat dry pancakes. <laughs> and then he was like stealing all of Jake's water too, because Jake was chugging water because he was, you know, eating dry pancakes. And Andrew kept taking his water. <laughs> Kev, I will tell you, this is not the intel that I have. Now, you're not in charge of your brother, so I will tell you this. You are a good brother. You're a good sibling here because I have it on good authority to know that these results could be contested in a food court of law. But I will not bring that up here. I will talk to your brother specifically about that in a future interview that I'm sure I'm going to eventually have to get to. I think every time I run into him, I'm like you know you and I are going to have to interview at some point. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. cool, that'd be great. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> You should get Jake and Andrew on an interview at the same time if you just want to see some craziness. <laughs> I think Cody Deal. was telling me that the two of them together are a lot. Oh, it is, it is a lot to handle. I mean, Andrew has a lot of energy, and especially when he's around new people. Mm-hmm. A lot of energy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, did you get the chance to then watch the fights? Uh, of, of my tournament at the Third Coast? Well, I'm saying the fights that you had predicted, the UFC fights. I, oh, I know you were um, a busy schedule, so I didn't know if you had the chance to actually watch some of those. Um, so, sadly, we were watching the matches, and I had to leave to go um, compete myself. So, I ended up not being able to see the later uh, matches. I only got to see a few of the uh early ones. So I got to see a few of them and I got to see the results and stuff, but uh, nothing too much. Let's see if we can fill you in here. Kev, how would you describe Amanda Nunez? As, okay, well, let's just use Andrew, for example. Let's say Mm -hmm. Jake had decided to go to the ground for that syrup. It sounds Mm -hmm. like Andrew might have taken some local instrument like a fork and stabbed Jake just to cause enough damage (laughs) like in Gladiator. When he shivs him before the match, just whatever, whatever you're thinking of in terms of someone jumping on their opponent, turn it up to 11. Nunez came out <laughs> and just decided, I will beat the living shit out of this woman for five rounds. And to, um, oh shit, hold on. Felicia no, I, Spencer's. Spencer's credit. I was thinking, <laughs> Felicia, you'd think I'd know. Uh, to Spencer's credit, she took it for five rounds. So that girl, that girl is hard to beat up, but 50-45, 50-44, 50-44. That is not a close wow. decision. No, that is not a close match at all. <laughs> now, Will, you were mentioning that you, know, you didn't get the chance to see it. When you heard the scorecard right now, it sounded a little bit of shock and awe. I wish I could truly tell you how impressive her performance was, but in a month when this comes out for free on your ESPN app, if you have it, I won't Mm -hmm. ask you where you find your stuff, 
But if you get the chance to rewatch that fight, just look at how much fun she's having and then understand, and I don't know that I shared this with Kev, that she literally broke part of her leg and you couldn't even tell so that she had one of her coaches give her a piggyback ride all around for the rest of the night. I didn't, none of us knew she was injured until she made it to the post presser. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that, but she's a tough woman, I guess. <laughs> she's Kev, insane. It was very similar to the Chappelle sketch where he's Diddy and he gets a piggyback ride out of the room. That was Amanda Nunez at the end of that evening. I did see the photos. She had the same happiness look. There's some great piggybacks in cinema history for TV. <laughs> There's a great Parks and Rec reference when Andy Dwyer uh, starts giving them out. It really, mm -hmm. there is there is nothing you can say and be taken extremely serious and dangerously, which is funny because she's so crazily dangerous. But when you put her on a piggyback, it's like, oh, she's lovely. She's just like us. <laughs> so let me ask this then, Will. What fights did you get to see? Um, I only saw the first three fights. Um, what was the one that got ended with the leg kick? So that was Alex Perez, a SoCal native who uh, kicked to the calf of his opponent. Cheese for and, uh Yes. For Raph's <laughs> um, head twin. <laughs> just just cranium size-wise. Yes. I have a very large head. If you guys really want to see something so funnier, then <laughs> you will see an episode of Really Late Night where my giant head gets a haircut. But that's not important. I would tell you this, Will. It was very, very yikes to see live because those things just sneak up on you yeah that was the last match that i saw on the um the the show but it was like that was insane to see that that late kick that was so painful and then i'm sure you also saw in the very early preliminary cards you had devin clark pull and rally together to go and beat alonzo menafield and then herbert burns talk about running in the family right I mean, th those were such good matches. I, like, I was so impressed by Devin Clark, the way he just gritted through and just kept coming. It was a real, real, real good fight. Do you often, when you're watching fights, because I don't know this for me all that often, uh, I'm not a competitor like you, do you ever try to correct or, like, you see something grappling-wise and you go, hmm, hmm? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I do that too much when it comes to, like, grappling in MMA. Honestly, their grappling isn't, like, you know, I mean, it's, of course, not as high level as, like, the grappling that we're used to watching. Sure. But I, I, you just see so many small mistakes, and you're like, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Kevin and I were watching a couple of these fights. There were definitely moments where we saw back takes that were not the best. But we will say that uh, Olamain Sterling had quite the impressive forced back take. That back take was, of the uh, year. Forced back, back take, take of the year. <laughs> it's hard and to get someone to double over their knees. Yeah. I mean, wow. I guess I think yeah, it is. You're going to so, want to. He, mm. He'll impress you. Just uh, Or Sandhagen will depress you. Either way, it's one of the... It's, um, it's the best the way I can explain it is like back takes before we realized ripping someone over their knees was terrible. But back when it was just like, well, that's how you take them down. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it looks yeah. like that. It's 
it's that thing whenever the kids do it in the kids' class, you're like, oh, yes, yes, exactly like and everyone white knuckles it until we're like, oh, they're made of rubber. Oh my god, thank god. Okay, somebody go tell Timmy not to do that again. <laughs> yeah, Timmy, don't do that to an adult, please. Don't break it. <laughs> and and William, I would tell you this. Uh, I think if you do want to go see this, it's consistent with what I told Kevin might happen, which is I believe there is a highlight of Matt Sarah seeing Sterling's win and screaming all the way from his private viewing to the <laughs> Apex Center as to how loud and proud he was of that young man. So uh, that was something to behold. Was there any fight in particular that you were nervous about? Because you go away, you go to compete, you do your own thing. But when you put bets on the line, is there one that you were worried about as you went to go compete? Or you're just like, eh, I'm not so sure about that one now that I've I've said it out loud. Um, no, I was pretty, pretty confident. Um, I mean, I didn't know a lot about all the fighters that I picked, but um, most of the fighters that I, that I knew that I picked, like educationally, then I was pretty confident. Okay. All right. Well... Kev, should we get around to kind of circling what the kids should know? Fine. Um, I'll say this. I'm still not sure I agree with the decisions from the night. Mm. I thought there were some suspect ones. I I certainly thought the Caceres decision, while I'm on record saying it was a great one, would like to say it was terrible now. And I feel the (laughs) same way exactly with the mind Menafield Clark. I really thought Menafield won that with those early rounds, Raph. So I, with that said, I still would have gotten my ass kicked because he got 10 of the 11 fights correct, and I did not get that many correct. <laughs> I got six correct. So if those two decisions had gone my way, we're looking at eight to eight, and I wouldn't have felt good about it. Um, plus, you know, previously the Caceres thing was, uh, a real one-sider. So I guess, so, I guess he wins, Raph. That's what I'm saying. That's good. We should possibly point out here. Now, William, this is kind of like getting a 1590 on the SAT. Kev, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody's ever gotten a perfect score. No one has on, ever crushed them all. Even the great, the great Dan. Not not everyone. No one's ever perfected it. But you were close, kid. That was ten is a very very respectable number, especially when you say that you had some that were. Sorry, there were twelve. There were ten of twelve. Correct. Especially when you say there are some that you're not as educated on. Um, so I would tell you that you did quite a good job, all things considered. Well, thank you. <laughs> Beginner's luck. This is a clear case of, Raf. this is tough. This is not, Tackett, you're probably not going to understand this reference in quite the fervor I would need you to, but I'm I'm a Keenan truther, and that's like being a Backstreet Boy fan or an InSync fan. You simply can't go on air saying the other one is now the greatest. So, and it's, this is a compliment to you. You're like Hanson or Shawn Mendes in this example, if I'm really going to ruin my reputation. He has no idea what you're talking about. Perfect. So uh, <laughs> what music are you into? Is it not boy band pop? I should ask before I start making metaphors. No, I know Sean Mendes. I mean, I'm kind of into really anything. I'm not picky when it comes to music at all. all right, okay. It's, so you were like, I'm exclusively country. And I was going to be like, all right, I'm Tim McGraw. No, that doesn't work. 
So the big thing to take away here is I owe you a a long-standing exposition that you are now you've surpassed Keenan as the greatest youthful grappler prospect we've ever had and I'm prepared to make the case spoiler alert <laughs> your brother's competitive edge will make an entrance cuz I want to ask you where you fell on the syrup guidelines you calling that fair play or is your brother um you know tampering with the ballots I mean, I, I, when it comes to the syrup, I took as much syrup as I needed before he got his hands on it because I knew he just ruins pretty much anything he touches. <laughs> <laughs> See, Raph, this is where it's like he's honestly the Batman of the group, and he's just, but he still has the pressure. Mm. So it's like Scar, but motivated. It's a better, healthier relationship. It's going to be good. I'm ready. Well, let me put this to you guys real quick. We've got a few little topical discussions from this evening. I understand you're a competitor, so I already kind of have an idea of where you're going on this. But, William, did you happen to get knowledge over the weekend that one Conor McGregor has retired? No, I did not hear that. Well, probably because anybody that you know that knows anything about MMA or grappling who would have told you probably just goes, eh, he retired today. He'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the the whole um, thing with that is the thing that he's probably just going to come back. He's just doing it for drama, get people to kind of look at him. I mean, Gordon pretty much did the same thing. Said like he was retired and stuff and kept making jokes about it and then really never retired. His was so. sadder because it was an F-150 and not a Lambo. But mm-hmm. this was the weird part with the Connor thing is it's right. <laughs> this is that's the perfect parallel. It's exactly mm-hmm. what Gordon did mm-hmm. with way less fanfare and a lot younger. Because uh, truthfully, it's like, Gordon, you're like nine. What are you talking about? Take a break, have a drink and then uh, get back to it in a few months, buddy. What are you going to do? Start working at Blockbuster? They're closed. This one yeah. for me, we saw Connor hitting the, the like spider bag sensor thing that he's a big fan of. And they're showing footage. They're like, he's back at it. He's talking smack with a bunch of multiple people, really, not just not just fighters, but you know, um, boxing, MMA, some football. So I don't understand why this weekend he decided to. Does this have anything to do with like John Jones and all the fighters being mad at Dana? Ding ding! All right, now let's go ahead and say this. What do you think is a fair amount of money? William, because you're young, but you know about fighting. You know about grappling. Apparently, what he is... does. Ten out of effing twelve, Raph. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just gonna put this out there. What do you think is a fair price point if John Jones is going to go up a weight class? Like, what do you think a comparable salary for a guy who's been tenured with the UFC for about twelve years or so and has had big mainline UFC prize fights. Just just ballpark me. What do you think is a fair figure for him? I mean, I don't know what he normally gets paid, but okay. I mean, I would think it would be pretty much the most out of anybody has been paid because one, he's been a champion for so long too. He'd be moving up into a new category and um, three, he's made the UFC a lot of money. So I don't know what he's normally at as far as budget wise, but I would think that he would need to be getting paid a pretty penny. Okay, well, just indulge me. 
just just tell me what you think it is, because I, I think you actually might be able to help me illustrate a point here between how much people think fighters make and how much they are actually paid. So just shoot me a figure. For one match or like a fight deal? One fight. One fight? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, McGregor's what, the, the most paid fighter in the UFC, so I believe that he, that Jones probably would... I don't know, maybe like 250 to show, 250 to win or something like that. Okay. So, uh, Conor McGregor, last couple of contract deals. And yeah, is the short answer, like, pretty good guess. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, and yeah, that's that, why that's John true. is pissed right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair it's assessment. Very good, yeah. So, apparently, Jones, and it, it, I think it ranges. Sometimes there's pay-per-view back-end points and all that sort of stuff. Jones is one of the few people who's still drawing 750,000 pay-per-view buys, which especially right now, that's the highest guy they've got left, especially if McGregor's out of the equation. McGregor was reported to earn $3 million that is reported to the Athletic Commission. Now, of course, John Jones doesn't bring in Conor McGregor numbers, but he's saying, all right, well, if I'm one of the only people who can draw high – then pay me more, especially now that pay-per-views are through this weird ESPN sort of a deal. So if you're saying 250K and Dana's saying, you know, he makes about, he's made like a whole bunch of money. He's made a whole bunch of money. And it seems that people are floating around a figure of closer to $2 million. Do you think as a competitor, that is a fair price point given the climate of MMA compared to other sports or even just in our own? I mean, Jones is like the best of all time. I believe that that's what he should be getting paid. But I know that like at, uh, combat sports is not where it needs to be as far as MMA-wise. And, um, you know, they make good money and stuff, but I know that the athletes aren't paid that high on average. So, I mean, I think that $2 million would be great for someone like that because he's like the greatest of all time but i sadly i don't think that's what he gets paid yeah so dana has been saying that he was asking for deontay wilder money uh trying to make him look bad kev would you think that that is in the ballpark I think it should be, and this is difficult. John Jones is the worst person to have this conversation about because there's part of me that's like, I don't know, man. Is there another CEO or fight promoter that would have tolerated all of this? I don't I don't know. So it's difficult, but ultimately I can't let that shroud the point, which is that the UFC has underpaid their top-performing fighters significantly. So um, I'm not even going to answer the Deontay Wilder because boxing does such a better job of sharing the gate with the fighters. I don't remember what the number is, but between like I'd have to look because I, I don't want to speak to boxing. I'd rather use NFL or the NBA for an example where the players are guaranteed a certain percentage of the profits of whatever they do. The UFC does not have that. That big caveat means that the UFC brass who has operated largely in silence and unchecked until ESPN came along was able to do whatever they wanted. So know that these fighters were fucked and not taken very good care of. And they have never made the percentage share that other major sports and athletes have made. Not even close. So that's kind of where this is all stemming from. So over the weekend, and this is where we tie it into what happened over the weekend, Conor McGregor, I think, saw what was happening with all of the lower weight belts. And then I think also took into consideration, guess what? 
if there's no crowd, I don't get a gate. And that might be part of what I'm doing. So at most, if we're talking about no crowds for a whole while with respect to COVID, what is there for me to do? Yeah, screw it. I'm going to retire. So I kind of get that perspective. The perspective that's left from Jones and Masvidal and we've gotten some people asking me, what do I think about a fighter's union? I'm like, I'm for it. Someone should do it. It's just a matter of, you know, when they mention people like Daniel Cormier, I'm like, Daniel Cormier is not going to rage against the machine when both his salary from Uncle Dana and the crafty service table in which caters to his every need at every UFC pay-per-view. I would tell you this, though. I think over the weekend, we saw a little bit of a glimpse of Dana White losing the rhetoric war because he was a little cagey with people in the post-presser. When they asked him about it, they said, well, what do you think about Masvidal? You know, if they don't want to fight, they could just go. They don't have to fight. Who, who needs to fight? <laughs> so the unfortunate part is they're trying to use the idea that the business model has shifted because of COVID. And I believe one very smart reporter said, it's very interesting to see that they're using the same defense, which understandably COVID has changed things, but they weren't really good about paying people. So when you have people like Jorge Masvidal who say they're only making what 12 to 18% of the overall product of the UFC. Well, at the same time, the UFC is talking about record numbers and record highs. We are at a very interesting point, whether it could be a breaking point. And what might also come of it is every one of these fighters who's very, very thankful they get one of those shots for dirt cheap. And some of them are only making about 12000 on some of these big shows to fill in those gaps. You will see the UFC relying on those people who are very thankful for a shot. The NBA is mm -hmm. at 50% to give you a perspective. But, Will, you've also worked with a ton of promoters. You, you know what that life is like. It's Yeah. It can be yeah, fat. It can be great and bad, right? It's pits and valleys. Yeah, it can be good and bad. I mean, it depends on what promoter you're doing dealing with. Um, I mean, it depends on what they see you as value, because you know every promoter has a different view on you as an athlete. So, which yeah, has I mean, to be fun to hear. <laughs> it's got to always yeah. be a fun reminder that it's uh, it's very much tied to. It's all tied to that. So even in the grappling yeah. world, mm -hmm. sure is. Here's the good news. I think it's an important topic and I'm glad we got to, you know, kind of talk it with you in particular because we see you as part of the future, kid. So we're trying to let you know, be firm, hand your ground, all that sort of good stuff. And if things get really bad in the negotiations, throw in your brother. Just say, listen, I'll even throw in my brother for 20 bucks and some syrup bottles. <laughs> Extra so, <laughs> so Kev, you alluded to the fact that you now have to do a video uh, as a thing to the kid now. I'm ready for my hot take. It's not even a video. I've started to talk myself into it. And if you're curious when I started <laughs> to do that, it was around the time um, that Formiga got knocked out from kicks. I was like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Can't lose multiple fights and uh, still pull it out. So that and, um, frankly, I still... I deserved at least a little bit to lose for not picking Garbrandt for, because of the neck tattoo. That would hurt. That was a yeah. knockout. Man, that knockout was so nasty. 
it was i agree i think it's a top i think we're going to be talking about that one because o'malley's mm-hmm. was effing fantastic and everyone forgot about it that's how good garbrandt's was i know it's insane it's so like i don't whenever you saw a korean zombie get knocked out in the last final seconds mm-hmm. of that round um this was like that much more epic just because it was literally like right at the buzzer and um uh, it was just fire. And Kev, just to fill you in in the background, later that night, this is, I think, one of my favorite moments of the post-presser that evening, is you have <laughs> you have Cody No Love sitting at the table. A reporter go asks, hey, who was the better knockout, you or O'Malley? And he goes, it's obviously me. Come on, Dana, give me that $50,000. Come on, man. And then all of a sudden the reporter goes, you did get a performance bonus. And he goes, oh. Oh, thanks, Dana. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so that is one of the funnier moments of the evening. Um, I would also venture to tell you this, though, Kev, and I don't know that William, he may be more up on it than either you or me. Gordon is taking credit for kicking Dana, or I'm sorry, not Dana, but Keenan off of the internet. They had a little spat. And now Keenan has deleted his social media. I would argue, Kev, that the threat of you calling an even younger and more talented prospect a more talented prospect on video <laughs> is what scared Keenan away. Yeah, this is another classic example where the Danaher Death Squad's forgetting that while they know how to break legs, we're more media savvy. Keenan heard the call out, knows how much I suck at this, and was like, oh, shit, he's not going to be able to beat Tackett. Like, this is the end of me. Got to get out of here. Oh, Gordon's being a tool? Perfect. I'm out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, because I was talking to Keenan on, uh, I don't have his number or anything, but I talked to him on Instagram Messenger quite a bit. And uh, we were planning to, like, go out there and train with him and stuff, and I was going to get back with him. And literally, like, the day I was going to get back with him, I looked up his Instagram and I like, wasn't there. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Gordon's Karen army of Yelp complainers are a lot to handle. And it, what has become a disagreement between two parties is now a more contested election than even our presidential election. You have people being like, Keenan shouldn't have done that. And it's like, how are you involved in this? And yeah. some of the folks who are angry are gym owners. They're saying that Keenan personally attacked them uh, by saying that people should close down their gyms. And I think some of that is conflating their anger towards COVID towards a legitimate concern. Now, I don't know. I don't read every comment that Keenan posts on there. But I can tell you this, telling an army and congratulating yourself that you kick somebody off social media is a whole can of worms that you go to a therapist about and they go, they did that? What are they doing and why are they doing this? So it's a very strange thing. But here's the good news. I believe you're younger than both him and Gordon, correct? Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit well, younger, actually. Well, I don't know anymore. if I am, Raph, or was that just to William? <laughs> so I guess I'll just to William. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore, kid. You apparently have more emotional maturity uh, than some of the people who have been in our sport for a long period of time. So it is disappointing in one sense. And now Gordon is now getting into street beefs with random Instagram influencers. 
It's oh a strange. Twenty twenty is crazy, dude. Yeah, twenty twenty is just insane. I keep hearing more and more things happening in twenty twenty, and just like, oh my gosh, this is the craziest year yet. <laughs> but you know what's even crazier? You've got good things going on. What comes up this weekend? What are you doing? Where are you competing? Because you, we know you're a crazy person. You've already got stuff lined up. Yeah, so I'm super excited. I have um, Jit King this Saturday in uh, Clearwater Beach, Tampa, Florida area. Look so out. I'm traveling out to Florida and uh, putting everything on the line in the 16-man tournament. So I'm excited. Can we warn you? Do you already know who Josh Starlord Ledoux is? Yes. Yeah, so oh shit. Okay. Perfect. Well, then avoid him at all costs. Mm-hmm. Stay away from him. He's not trusted <laughs> and he's unstable. That is all. That's all. It's, That's all. We'll talk it, about that. <laughs> it's a good note because if there's anybody who's going to have a van and candy and try and pull you in as a stranger into it, it's going to be Josh. <laughs> So you're probably right. Josh is funny though. I mean, I haven't known Josh too too closely, but we yeah, just I've, uh, I've, we've worked with him. We like to warn people to avoid. I think it's number. important that people know it. But you could tell him so, he said it. You said no. Oh, if he didn't bet that we warned you about him, then he's doing his job wrong too. Do you have anything else coming up after that? Because it always seems like you're somebody in most fight promoters minds that they want to go ahead and continue putting on stuff. Yeah. So, um, I would have something coming on here soon, but I actually, uh, I'm just going to plan for the trials. So I'm just going to kind of dip off the deep end or dip off the social media stuff and off competition scene and just kind of focus on the trials up until um, November. So I think this might be my last one until trial trials, but we'll see. That's interesting. Does that help you for trials, kind of getting insular and getting focused on your team? Because, you know, you hear some people say you've got to compete, 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 otherwise you won't be ready. But you you obviously have a unique perspective on this. I'm sorry if you don't have if you have a minute. Do you mind answering? Oh, no, go ahead. I mean, for me, it's like I, I like to be ready and, like, eager to compete. And um, I like to have time to train. So, like, for me, like, these last few weeks, I haven't really trained a whole, whole lot. You know, I, I mean, I've, of course, I've put in the hours on the mats and in the weight room but it's just not as much as i know i can because i've been traveling i got a taper off my training camps you know and different things because like this week i'll train up until you know thursday pretty hard like wednesday will be my last hard day of training and then thursday is kind of just like a taper day friday i don't really do much i'm morally cut weight and just kind of like eat light and stuff and then saturday i compete you know and then sunday's a rest day and back to it on Monday. So like kind of that whole half of the week was not too much training. So I like to kind of slow it down a little bit, not really mess up my training camps, just kind of train, get better, get bigger, get stronger, um, healthier, and then hop into a tournament. So we'll see how it goes, especially something that's really important to me because I really want to win the trials. I want to make sure I take it really seriously. So I'm just going to put in as much hours on the training mass as I can. Fascinating. To be fair, that's a a very mature perspective, one that Keenan Cornelius probably didn't have when he was your age. I'm just saying, I don't know. <laughs> can't really compete and say those things. No, I would tell you this. You have a very good head on your shoulders, and I know it is very difficult to tell a competitor, don't compete, because it's in your blood. You know, mm-hmm. It's not that you don't want to. I mean, Jesus, your track record says as much. Uh, you, you hit this ground running of four straight weekends of competing. 
So Mm -hmm. nobody's going to ever accuse you of that. It's just the discipline to say, I know where I want to go next and to be able to to really implement that strategy. I would ask you, though, if the opportunity does come up and we maybe have to see a delay in the trials, would you consider picking something up in that time? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I might have one tournament before the trials just because sometimes my professor likes me to jump out on the mat if I haven't been on the mat in a while and yeah. just kind of get the competition nerves out, you know, kind of get back into the swing of things. So um, that might be the case. I might hop out there maybe in October, beginning or mid of October, and then, you know, middle of November will be the trials. So I might yeah. do that. If the trials does get delayed because of all the corona or whatever nonsense happens in 2020, then, um, you know, I'll shoot for the February trials. And, uh, yeah, I'll hit a few tournaments in uh, in between there. Maybe, like, hit a tournament in November and hit one in December. And then, again, just take that break again and aim for the trials in February. Sure you kid. Yeah, that's that seems about a good plan. I'm just saying, I think they're going to try and keep trials as close to the schedule as possible. Um, but as you very nicely previewed before I could do the joke, who knows what the next chapters of Jumanji really are. We're, exactly. we're still trying to figure out, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have guessed we were where we are today, but here we are and murder hordants and all the other things that you can possibly think of on your apocalyptic bingo are all possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, will I will ask you this. You famously didn't talk much trash to Kevin you're a sportsman. Is there anything you'd like to say in the mode of sportsmanship that may be good advice for Kevin for his next go round of over under Kevin? Uh, I, I mean, don't ever count against uh, Sean O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I deserve that. And you shouldn't either. If I recall, I gave someone some advice raft to get some cool hair Go look at Sean O'Malley's. Don't be afraid to rainbow pride it out for trials, William Tackett. Yeah, I don't know about the whole rainbow hair. but <laughs> hey, uh, You mock it, but then guess what? When you get that it first works. takedown because they're busy looking at your hair, you're going to thank your friends over at Verbal Tap in all of your post-fight <laughs> interviews. <laughs> Yes, sir. I will if if I end up doing that. <laughs> I'm sure. It just, yeah, it would have been us that gave him that shot speed and ability to take down yep. and submit the hair color. It's all about the, hair, the hair color. color yeah. Guarantee our fight companion will take 100 percent credit for anything you do, kid. Um, well, I got to say this, Kev. Do you have any returning and and departing words for the young man here? Can't wait to see it. Trials will be metaphorically in your corner obviously but you're a blast to watch and um really uh looking forward to it and rooting for you thank you i really appreciate that I'll, i'm gonna do my best and i'll train my hardest and hopefully we can go out there and win it so thank you guys no problem ladies and gentlemen the young the talented more talented than Keenan Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> Please note, the new number is...